Art of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy. Written and produced by Travis Heerman. Voice talent by Daniel McCarville and Zeus Legion. For more information, please visit TravisHeerman.com. This novel contains violence and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 7 April's air stirs in willow leaves. A butterfly floats and balances. Basho. Norikage saw Kanishi's brow furrow in frustration sitting across the desk. The desk was littered with pages covered with scrawled calligraphy. The papermaker in Hakozaki had been happily producing more of the coarse, fibrous wood pulp paper at Norikage's request. Even the cheap wood paper was expensive, but he loathed Kanishi's idea of scratching characters in the dirt. It was just too... rustic. Proper writing must be taught with paper, brush, and ink. Morning sunlight spilled through the open window like liquid golden warmth. The air was rich and moist with the coming of spring, smelling of vegetation and the sea. Then one of the village farmers walked by carrying a filthy bucket, and the stench hit Norikage in the nose almost immediately. He made a disgusted noise. Can't those peasants find a different route to carry fertilizer through? The farmers in the rice fields were working the village waste into the soil in preparation for the spring planting. Some children were playing a game of tag with Kanishi's dog in the street, punctuated by the gleeful laughter of the children and playful yips from the dog. He glanced at Kanishi, who was concentrating on brushing a character onto his paper. He said, No, this character is written this way. Do it again. Kanishi had difficulty in writing characters with more than ten strokes. Until Norikage began teaching him how to write, the young warrior had not known how to count past ten. Norikage showed him again how to write the character for Garden, counting out the final strokes as he did so. Eleven, twelve, thirteen. Aoka village had been quiet over the winter. There were a few minor disputes between townspeople, but Norikage handled those. Norikage had seen little of Chiba and his brothers since Kanishi killed their father. The rest of the townspeople seemed to tolerate Kanishi. He spoke to them with none of the haughtiness Masahige had shown, almost as if he were one of them. Of course, he could never be one of them, because he was not born here. If he lived out the rest of his days in his village, Kanishi would always be an outsider, just as Norikage was. But Norikage accepted that. He knew that this village was just a stepping stone on a longer journey. Why must I learn characters that have no use? Kanishi protested. When will I ever write the word for garden? Norikage's normally well-controlled voice shrilled with his own frustration. 
Do you wish to be nothing more than an ignorant bumpkin? An uneducated peasant like the rest of the people in this village who cannot read and write? I've made my way just fine. Fool! You are lucky to have survived, Norikage snapped. Perhaps I can explain in terms you will understand. Warriors are taught to seek the advantage in every situation, yes? Kanishi's eyes turned wary. Yes. Imagine two men, both physically equal, both strong, capable men. What if one of them is educated and the other is not? Who has the advantage? Kanishi said nothing, but Norikage saw the calculation behind his gaze. What if these two men sat before their lord, and their lord said that he could choose only one of them for an important promotion? Who would be the most suitable choice? The stronger of the two. But they are both equal in strength and prowess. What if one of them can read and write important documents? What if one of them knows about history and religion better to advise his lord? Who should be chosen? The young man finally sighed. Very well, the educated man. And well he should. Unless, of course, the Lord is seeking nothing more than a mindless brute. This sometimes happens, to be sure, but not in positions of great delicacy or responsibility. The same is true of the imperial court, except the weapons used are words, not blades. What do you know of the imperial court? You have been in the capital? Norikage looked at the papers on the desk without seeing them. Perhaps he had said too much. Kanishi said, You have too many secrets. Eh? You are hiding something from me. As you are hiding something from me, Norikage put the proper air of indignance in his voice. He had learned in the imperial court that the best way to defend oneself was to steer attention to someone else. Come now. You have been here nearly five months, and I have been waiting for you to tell me. There is something in your past that haunts you. I assure you, I have no interest in exposing your secrets to anyone else. I don't trust you. What a rude thing to say. But of course, I do not trust you either. I trust no one in this world. Very well. As a show of good faith, I will tell you something. Norikage took a deep breath. To divulge such a secret of his own went against his nature. Divulging the secrets of others had always been easy, however. But now his curiosity was too strong. To get something, he had to give something. My father was a minister in the imperial court, so I was raised among wealth and power. He was always in the middle of court politics. A more backstabbing, vicious lot of people never existed. They sheathe their weapons in poetry and fine arts, but they are sharks. A mere word from one of the powerful courtiers behind the throne can end a man's life. Alas, I did not realize what this meant. Norikage glanced at Kanishi, but the young warrior sat stoic and silent. Then he continued, One of the emperor's concubines was a rare beauty. Since I was a boy, I had watched all these court nobles, men and women alike, 
trading lovers among themselves as if they were sets of fine clothes. So I saw nothing wrong with arranging a liaison with this exquisite creature. Besides, she was not even favored by the emperor at the time. He did not have time for her. So beautiful she was, in the prime of her womanhood at fourteen. And she favored me as well, or she would have never accepted my advances. Court nobles sometimes use love to form their political alliances, but those alliances change with the passing breeze, and this lovely girl was artless as a babe. Only when she grew large with child did I discover that the emperor had been saving the flower of her virginity for himself, for a special occasion. Why do you smile? The faint smile Norikage had seen developing on Kanishi's face disappeared like a wisp of smoke on the wind. Norikage continued warily. In any case, the child died of a fever before it reached a year, or so I was told. To preserve our family's status and wealth, I was banished from the capital and stripped of my family name. If I was a warrior, you might call me a ronin. So... How did you come to be the assistant of a Hojo constable? The flow of money from the shogun's headquarters to a place as far away as this becomes a mere trickle. Masahige was originally from Kamakura, near the shogun's headquarters. But his family is not one of the thickest branches on the Hojo tree. They could be pruned. You talk like a courtier. Speak plainly. Norikage sighed and rolled his eyes. His family barely survived the great war between the Taira and Minamoto clans that led to the shogun's government. After the Hojo clan became the shogun's regents, Masahige's grandfather attached the family through marriage to the Hojo and took on the Hojo name. So, when Masahige reached his majority, his family sought a government post for him. Constable of Aoka village is the post he was given, and not a very lucrative one as you well know. I consider myself wealthy. I have food to eat and a house to live in. You have little more than a hovel, Norikage laughed. Ah, Kanishi, you are a man of simple tastes and pleasures. Masahige was not. He had fallen into debt, and he could not pay his creditors. Before I left the capital, my mother told me she did not want me to live as a pauper, even though I was banished from the family. So she gave me some money. Quite a lot of money, actually. I met Masahige in a geisha house in Hakozaki, the place where he had accumulated most of his debt. I saw an opportunity, and I took it. And so I am here. If the government were to discover my position here, however, I understand. So now, you must tell me your secret. Kanishi hesitated just as Norikage had. Norikage wondered in the silence what kind of dark deeds might lie in the past of a warrior as young as this one. Then the young man began his tale. The more Kanishi spoke, the more Norikage realized that the youth was telling more than he intended, but somehow could not stop himself. As if his life was so filled with events so crammed into such a short time that he had to release them somehow. He had to tell someone. 
and so Norikage listened to the young man's tale of poverty and want and endless wandering, and to the tale of the beautiful noble maiden, and of the oni bandit chieftain. Norikage often spurred the tale onward, enthralled by the young man's simple words. Norikage said, I have heard the story about this ronin oni slayer. It has made the rounds through every sake house in the province. That was you? I have not heard any such story. Ka, the young maiden and I killed the oni. I heard tales of the oni that lived in those parts. He was a bad one, they say. Sometimes he and his gang would make forays into Hakata in the dead of night to rob someone's house or steal the wares of a wealthy merchant. A horrible creature. It was. In the capital, there were rumors of courtiers who were really oni in disguise. Foul creatures they were, but powerful, with webs of intrigue that reached into every corner of the imperial court, Norikage mused. Then he grew serious again. The girl's father is a fool, whoever he is. But you are better off. He laughed. You are here. Kanishi smiled wanly. Yes, I am here. And you have Kiyose now. You can forget your noble maiden. Come now, tell me who she was. Kanishi looked out the window a trace of wistfulness in his gaze that Norikage knew he would never admit to. I cannot tell you her name. And as for Kiyose, I do not have her. She still belongs to Teta. But he allows her to cook for me and to clean my house. Norikage nodded. Of course, he would not mention in Kanishi's presence that he had partaken of Kiyose's womanly charms, a few times before the night Kanishi arrived in Aoka. The young man did not interfere with Teta's business, but Norikage knew he did not like that Kiyose had been bedded by most of the men in the village. Kiyose made a great deal of money for Teta. Nevertheless, Norikage recognized the young man's protectiveness of her and had not visited her since. He did not wish to instigate any unpleasant feelings between them. Kanishi said nothing. It is no secret. If you show too much favor for her, your reputation might suffer. You could buy her freedom. Someday. Then he looked at Norikage. But I don't plan to go into debt. Norikage smiled. I would suggest no such thing. It's too bad. She is a pretty girl, but you do not love her. Again, Kanishi said nothing. Forgive me. A man like you does not speak of such things. And yet, you protect her. Kanishi nodded. Chiba knows better than to harm her, cowardly wretch. It is only natural for him to wish to avenge his father. Then he should seek his vengeance on me. A few weeks ago he cornered her behind the inn when she was washing laundry. He beat her with a switch. I am surprised that you did nothing about it. She didn't tell me about it. I overheard Teta and his son talking about it afterwards. Well, she is an easier target than you. 
he cannot hope to face that blade of yours. That makes him a coward. The venom in Kanishi's tone and the cold, stony glare in his eyes gave Norikage pause. Until that moment, he had not realized how deep Kanishi's convictions and determination ran. In the imperial court, everyone had a price, a limit that could be reached without too much difficulty, a point of compromise. Thus, Norikage assumed that everyone in the world was much the same. It seemed that Kanishi had no such point of weakness or compromise. Forgive me for taking a contrary position. It's my argumentative nature. Chiba and his brothers are scum of the worst sort. Perhaps we should see them punished. They know I'm waiting for the chance. Yes, unfortunately, it's not a crime to beat a whore. I think Chiba and his lot will continue to push. We will have to deal with them soon. He rubbed his chin. I am sorry to change the subject, but there is something else I've been wondering about you. You have told me nothing of your family. How did you become a ronin? You sound as if it is the only life you have ever known. It is. What of your parents? Dead. I was little more than an infant. I was raised by my teacher. You have no idea who your parents were? Kanishi shook his head. Norikage could not help laughing again. You might not even be from a samurai family. You might be nothing more than a peasant with a pretty sword. Kanishi's eyes flashed, and Norikage choked off his laughter. Kanishi's words were quiet, fierce, and steady. This is my father's sword. My father was samurai. Again, Kanishi, forgive my rudeness. A sensitive topic of conversation, I see. Perhaps we should continue the writing lesson. Tomorrow. My mind is weary. I must train the body for a while. Very well. And please order three more boken from Gorobe the carpenter. You wear out the wooden sword so quickly. Few things in the world are as strong as steel. Very well. I will contract Gorobe for three more boken. Then Norikage heard a timid step outside his office. Who's there? he called. It is Kiyose, came a soft voice. May I enter, sirs? Yes, come in, Norikage said, trying to observe any reaction from Kanishi or Kiyose when she entered the room. Kanishi may as well have been carved of basalt. Kiyose kept her eyes properly downcast as she shuffled into the room with a woman's soft step. What is it? Please pardon me. I am looking for Teta-sama. I haven't seen him since yesterday morning, Kanishi said. Norikage shook his head. Nor I. Not since breakfast yesterday. That is why I am worried. He left yesterday afternoon to go fishing, and he has not come back. Norikage rubbed his chin. She was not the kind of girl to make wild claims. That is unusual for him. Perhaps his boat was swamped. 
the seas were high yesterday. Kanishi shook his head. He does not have a boat. He prefers to fish in a pond about one ri inland. Do you know where the pond is? He told me once where it is. Then perhaps I will make a few inquiries around the village to see if anyone has seen him, Norikage said. Perhaps he went to Hakozaki. Kiyose said, Excuse me, sirs, but if he planned to go to Hakozaki, he would have told me, or taken me with him, I think. He does not like leaving me alone for long after what Chiba did. Norikage nodded. Her words seemed reasonable. What do you think, Kanishi? I think I should go to the pond. Perhaps something happened to him along the way. Kiyose said, Kanishi, would you allow me to come with you? With both you and Teta away from the village, someone might... Something might happen. Norikage said, It may be more dangerous to go with Kanishi. Kanishi is a strong man, and I will be no trouble. Please, sirs. Kanishi nodded. You may come, but you must be alert. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy by Travis Heerman. Volume 2, Sword of the Ronin, and Volume 3, Spirit of the Ronin, are available now on your favorite audiobook platform. Please visit TravisHearman.com, look me up on social media, or send me an email. I would love to hear what you think about the story. <laughs>